This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Today is Faithful Followers Friday. This is where we um, try to look at some areas of practical theology, kind of the boots on the ground type of, of things. And today we want to look at something that Don Carson, D.A. Carson, wrote. Um, he wrote a book, Praying with Paul, A Call to Spiritual Reformation. I don't know. Do you guys own that one? I do not, but he, I, I not. think you can actually find some of that online. Mm-hmm. Mm. I do own the book. I thought it was, I think it's a helpful book. And I don't want to impose things on on you as our listeners, but my sense is that all of us at times struggle with prayer. Is that being unfair to our listeners? And I say that because I sometimes struggle with prayer. Yeah, and I, I think we can make that as a general statement about everybody. I think there's hardly any, any topic that you can address that doesn't make everybody feel guilty, and that would be prayer. And D.A. Carson is saying that there are two things that have shaped his prayer. One is the scriptures and the other is more mature Christians. Mm-hmm. So someday we will do a show just completely on how prayer shapes, how Scripture shapes our prayer life, and that's part of his book. This is actually doing the how mature Christians have influenced his prayer life. And so there are eight lessons that he has that he has walked away, and so we're going to just try to work through the eight um, lessons. And the first was, that much praying is not done because we do not plan to pray. What is he saying here? Essentially, it's it's not a natural tendency for us to grow and mature, but rather takes an intentional, disciplined effort. Um, is it Ferguson that describes it as a long obedience in the same direction? So one of the reasons we don't pray is because we don't plan or we don't have a disciplined prayer life or schedule or intentionality. One of the things that I found helpful, I've got a group of other pastors in a church planting network I'm a part of, and we have set 1028 on Mondays to pray together. So I have an alarm on my phone every Monday. It goes off at 1028, and I know that there are 12 other guys, and we're all praying together at that time because we've planned to pray. And the reason it's 1028 is it comes out of the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus says, uh, the uh, harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And so we're intentionally praying for church planters and, and gospel workmen. Um, but that's not a natural thing. It, it's it become a discipline because I had a mm-hmm. plan and tools I implemented to get after it. I know sometimes people will say, well, doesn't that make um, prayer more sterile and cold if you 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 plan on it? Well, it actually expands your prayer life because what generally takes place in many people's uh, prayer life is what I call 3D, dinner, disaster, and delight. These are the <laughs> these are the only things I'm praying for. This is what I want. This is what this is the disaster I'm facing and I'm going to pray over my meal. Mm-hmm. I think it's important too to remember that I, mean, I think Isaiah fifty eight thirteen fourteen principle of you know sometimes it is a duty that we do things that God has called us to do, but the result is as we 
do what he has called us to do, we find greater delight in what he's called us to do. The second one is adopt practical ways to impede mental drift. And and when you talk to people, this is one of the key issues when you when they're kind of unpacking the struggle of prayer, you'll often hear, well, I just when I sit down to pray, my mind just goes all different directions. I'm just hitting everything in the studio <laughs> right now. Um so, so how does Carson help with this adopting practical ways to impede mental drift? I think they're just ways that we can uh, just make ourselves uncomfortable physically. I mean, if you're if you're like me, if if you're kind of sitting there lounging in a chair, and it's very easy to, to for my mind to drift, and it may be just the fact of getting up, walking around as you pray. If your knees can take it, you know, kneeling on the floor and praying. I mean, putting yourself in a posture where your mind will be more engaged. He he actually addresses the fact that you know you just kind of interrupt yourself in your prayer and you actually talk yourself back into that that prayer. You realize what's taking place. There is a it's almost like you it, prayer brings out the ADD, the attention deficit disorder in all of us because we we do tend to to drift. There are times when I I think it's quite appropriate to drift. If you if you fall asleep praying, you fall asleep in the arms of Jesus. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I had a. I had, I think it was an author that that I read that wrote talked about um, even in the midst of your prayer, if your mind drifts a hundred times in prayer, that's a hundred times to experience the grace of God and return back to His presence because His mind does not drift mm-hmm. from you. And so, it's just to give yourself, I think, some of that that grace from your heavenly Father, and it's an opportunity to experience and know that that God is not drifted; he, He's not distracted, even though we might be. And you can use some just practical tools. You can pray through scriptures. I, I found it helpful to just pray through the Psalms. You can use um, written prayers, so the Valley of Vision or other resources that have prayers that you can use to help mm-hmm. focus your prayer life. Hymn books are actually wonderful tools um, to help you pray. Journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, I've throughout my life, I found that me just jotting some things down helps me stay more focused. Even something so simple as just praying out loud. Yeah, the pat- yeah. there's the there's the pattern that people often talk about is adoration, confession, thanksgiving and supplication, you know, acts. That that's you know, you begin with adoration, you 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 you're making a confession to him, you know, thanking him and then here's my needs. It you know, praying in some ways, expanding on the Lord's Prayer is a, a wonderful way to do it, taking each phrase and expand those out. Luther would say that you could use the Apostles' Creed, you could use the Lord's Prayer, you could use the Ten Commandments, all those guides to prayer. I think it's in the the, the little yeah. kid's book about the Barber, teaching the barber how to pray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number three is at very periods in your life, develop, if possible, a prayer partner relationship. And I'm going to just refer this one to Vinny specifically because he said mentioned something off air that he is a part of. Yeah, so partner uh, – Several prayer partnerships and uh, across both the church planting network that I'm in and then our uh, denominational, we've got a group of 10 of us here in the Northwest. We get together every month um, and we do this together. And so just, I know that intentionally on my calendar, there, there are guys that I'm praying with and praying for, uh, and then I keep a running list uh, that helps me throughout the month to remember to pray for them. And um, one of the great things too, I think about uh, developing a prayer partner relationship is there's both account- accountability and comfort that comes with those so there's accountability because i know i'm going to meet with those guys next month Mm -hmm. and uh they're going to ask me if i've been praying i get the opportunity to ask them but also comfort knowing that when i'm wrestling or struggling through something and i share it with them there are others who are interceding to christ on my behalf one of the tools that we use um i use this in the the seattle church a member recommended it because their church back home did it as well and 
and uh, we're using it in our, our presbytery now as well among the pastors and elders. But you 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 make a calendar and I mean, everybody's names divided up into you know thirty one groups and then you start with your name, put the number one next to it, and then just go down the list. And then each day you just pray for whoever is on that day. And I think one of the encouraging things as as, as it's divided up, there is someone praying for you that particular day as you're praying for someone. The fourth one is choose models, and what he means by this is by carefully, thoughtfully listening to others pray. Um, so have you guys ever used this one as far as you've just taken other people in your life and used them to help you develop your own prayer life? Yeah, one of my uh, pastoral mentors uh, growing up in the church I grew up in, he he just he prayed scripture. Um, he, he, he would preach and um, he, when he would close his prayer, uh, both at the end of the sermon and at the benediction, it, he scripture just emanated as he prayed, and so that's always been a comfort to me and as, as a model to think about, especially if I'm struggling with distraction or discipline, is, is to open up the Psalms and to just pray through them and, and allow that to, to be helpful. Yeah, one of the things that we do in our in our bulletin and Sundays is there, you know, a number of our prayers are written out. One so that people can take them home and use them themselves as a as a model. The other thing that we do is, uh, you know, when we deal with a prayer of supplication in our service, you know, the, the longer extended prayer, uh, we've divided that up among the elders, and they become examples of prayer to our congregation. Mm-hmm. And so each. Each Sunday, another elder is preaching, and you know they're not saying the same thing over and over again. There's a you you actually see the depth of their commitment to the Lord and how they're lifting up the whole congregation. And it becomes a wonderful example. Yeah, growing if, up, there was uh, elders, the pastor and elders would rotate in for the uh, um, main pastoral prayer in the service, and that was always encouraging. But then also going to um, our church had prayer meetings growing up. So midweek prayer meetings, and mm-hmm. just as even as a young young child, just sitting among the group, and one being given the opportunity to pray, even as as a child amongst other adults, but then also hearing them pray uh, was very meaningful. I think if you have kids, that you you'll hear your own phraseologies come out in the prayers of your kids. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we do this maybe even without thinking much of it. Five is develop a system for your prayer lists. Like for our church, we have six elders and myself, and we've divided our church into to care groups. So what that means is there are seven seven groups. So what you can do is say, I'm going to take a group a day and pray through that section of our church. So I don't know if you guys have other other ones as well. If you think about uh, concentric circles, so praying for those first and intimate relationships, your your family, um, your maybe your, your your spouse and your children. And then kind of moving outward from there, your uh, small group at church, or if you're on a, a service ministry team, praying for those members, the church broadly as a whole um, in your local context, maybe um, outward regionally, if you're part of a network or denomination, and then the global church. Those are those are just simple ways. But if you think about prayer, praying for others in concentric circles and moving outward through your relationship with them. And as Jonathan mentioned a moment ago, the uh, ACTS uh, um, acronym, you know, Adoration, Confession, and Thanksgiving, Supplication. That's helpful because I think oftentimes we tend to lose the adoration a little bit. You know, our, our, our prayers tend we get, to come. We get all the, we get way. All the supplication. <laughs> we jump right to yeah. S. But you know, We get right down to give us this day. <laughs> right. It, it's helpful to just start our prayer with um, just thanking God for who he is and just think about who he is. 
I was momentarily distracted. So <laughs> six would say mingle praise, confession, and intercession. But when you intercede, try to tie as many requests as possible to Scripture. And we talked a little bit about this. I always have a in in my mind a, a framework that I'm I'm doing. I actually pray through acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And I try to make it that the supplication aspect of my prayer is always the shortest. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a weird idea, but my 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 sense is that that's where most of us spend too much time. And I actually think there's great benefit in in settling in on adoration and thanksgiving mm-hmm. and I, trying to tie that back to scripture as much as possible. I try to think about the the supplications I'm making and how they might glorify God and I and I try to to make sure that that section is always either started or ending with the petition that, God, would you glorify yourself in this? And that helps prepare me for whatever may result, whether the prayer is answered positively or negatively from my perspective. My, my goal in supplication is asking God to be glorified. If you think about the, some of the great examples of prayer in the Bibles, in the Bible, the scriptures, a lot of them, when they do intercede, their, their intercession is based upon the previous promises of God. Number seven is, if you are in a form of spiritual leadership, work at your public prayers. I often think about this as I'm praying up front. Would my congregation be able to finish my prayer? Mm. Um, am I using the same same phraseologies, the same whatever that, I mean, I don't want to call it a rut, but a little bit, am I on a rut mm-hmm. in my public prayers? And as we're running out of time, the, number eight is pray until you pray. Just pers- be persistent in your prayer life. Um, sometimes God can feel distant or you feel like you are not engaged, but just keep praying until you pray. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We'll see you tomorrow.